She'd like to speak to your manager, please. It's my sister, Marissa. I'm going to need this sent to the escalation department right now. Yeah, this is like a thing, apparently. Oh, yeah, this is a real thing that happened in my life today with FedEx. I really did have to speak to somebody's manager, which is a phrase that I really try not to employ. Yes. But uh, FedEx jerked me around big time today. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. You're like the least Tahani-esque person I know. So that I know, funny. I hate, but I was just like, no, no, uh-uh, no, this is not, no. <laughs> Transfer me to someone who who can do something about this right now. Which is, you know, on brand for this episode of The Good Place. But yeah. So, <laughs> it, 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 it helps you empathize with them a little bit. Yeah, it's not exactly my soul on the line. That's true. Uh, so before we get into the recap of today's episode, I figured we should do some housekeeping. Okay. When do you want to run through? So, you know, I made a I made a schedule, a potential schedule of episodes, but I think maybe we should run through that at the end since it's that's kind of a thinking. lot that's and people thinking. can kind of skip it if they don't care. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So housekeeping. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for the schedule of what we're going to do during the very long hiatus. Uh, I am still, you know still rooting for just a marathon of episodes about The Last Jedi because I keep sending you gifts and <laughs> articles. Just articles that are, or gifts of uh, Ben Solo practicing and it's not, it's, you know, Adam Driver practicing you know, <sighs> sleeveless t-shirt, just sweating. <laughs> you know. I am not averse. There are a few weeks unspoken for. I'm not averse to revisiting The Last Jedi perhaps when it comes out on Blu-ray or something. Ooh. All right. Uh, well, before we get into all that stuff and before we get into the episode, <laughs> let's do some housekeeping. You can find us in all the usual places. On Facebook at The Good Play, we have a, a group you can join. Uh, on Twitter at The Good Play Pod. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. We are Sure, let's say Google Play. Sure. And then we have a Gmail account thegoodplaypod at gmail.com please someone email us <laughs> please uh, besides someone besides twitter support please email us uh, and we have a website goodplay.cast.rocks did I get it yeah. right? Yes. Yep. okay cool so this may be my favorite episode yet of the whole show wow I mean oh. it was full of feels I'll grant you that yeah so let's get into it uh, do you want to do the recap? Per usual, I All shall. Right. All right. You you gave me notes that are, if I read them out loud, it would be longer than the 30-minute episode. So I'm going to try to condense yeah. a little bit. I always give you really long notes. <laughs> These are exceptionally long. Because I had a lot of feelings, okay? <laughs> just for our listeners, there are moments when I editorialize, in because I usually just do like, here is the thing that happens. And like, maybe I put in a funny quote. And this time... I, I put in a lot of parentheses, like, my own feelings about what has just happened. And so, well, you know, just little reminders for me to jump in and cry. So, go ahead. I hope you do some da- Janet-style sobbing. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get to that. 
<laughs> yeah, we have a huge announcement, yes. which is not an announcement if you follow our Twitter feed, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so this episode picks up about 30 seconds after the last one, and they're all sort of congratulating themselves on their escape and saying, okay, we like we gotta go to the good place now. And Michael kind of tries to put them off saying, you know, it's complicated and I need a few days to build something, but all the humans are like, no, 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 no we gotta go now, 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 now. So Michael goes, uh, okay. And he brings up some schematics and he has Janet create a solid gold balloon. And while he's doing that, the humans are enjoying one last uh, frozen yogurt together. Jason mentions that he got diarrhea every time he ate the frozen yogurt, which is uh, a new development. I suppose, uh, like a lot of Asian Americans, he lacks the gene to uh, uh, digest lactose. And he does mention something about how he probably should have figured out it was the bad place, given how much diarrhea he had. And then Chidi's like, also, maybe don't be eating it now before we get on a balloon. (laughs) Yeah, that was hilarious. (laughs) So they're all, this is like, this is sort of, I want to kind of put a pin in this for everybody. Just sort of remember that this happened because it's sort of a bookend to the episode. They're all talking about what the good place would be for each of them. Um, And Eleanor wants her phone back and this, that, the other thing, but... Chidi specifically says he wants an unlimited library. He wants to talk to all his philosophy heroes and he hopes soulmates are real. And Eleanor just gives him this look of like, oh, and he's like, for all of us. I hope they're real for all of us. <laughs> and and oh. I have in parentheses, stab me in the heart. It was the worst. It oh my so God, it was the worst. Put his mouth so bad. <laughs> so then they go, sorry, you good? Yes. Well, you're going to have to you're going to have to check in with me like a few times, I think, along the way. <laughs> so they go over to the solid gold balloon. Janet says that it has a uh, a scale that you have to step on before you get on that says whether or not you are the best version of yourself. So they each of the humans gets on, it says they are the best version of themselves, then Chidi tries and it denies him. And they kind of Eleanor's like, "Okay, I know this." sort of, you know, he starts sort of talking a mile a minute and Eleanor says, I I am familiar with this mode of cheaty operation. And they kind of sort of sit down to let Cheaty lose steam, but he doesn't. So Eleanor's like, look, you helped each of us to be the best version of ourselves. So like, you must be the best version of yourself. I mean, Cheaty's whole point is because there have been 800 plus versions of each of them, it's not an academic question as to whether they actually are the best versions of themselves. And that's an interesting question that gets continued sort of in the next part. So they try again. Chidi goes first. He goes fine. Jason, Dahani, fine, fine. But then Eleanor doesn't. She says, oh, Chidi got in my head. And then she says, you know, I think the best version of myself was the version where I confessed. She doesn't say this exactly, but essentially she thinks the best version of herself is when she confessed to Chidi that she was in love with him. And, um... So she asks Michael for, like, a rundown of that version. And I have to admit that I was surprised that Michael kind of knew what had happened with them. Like, how did Michael know which version that tape was from? Um, he might know... He might know what she's talking about. And she said, I remember that time when I was open and vulnerable. Because it doesn't happen very often. So but they end might... up sleeping together at most of the Mindy St. Clair visits. So, and that's only... A dozen times, so out of 802 times, we think that they have probably had some sort of at least sexual encounter 
100, 200 times. Like, how does Michael know which time is the time that they actually have, like, a fall in love kind of relation? And, and, and honestly, I'm not convinced that that was the one time. I think that that was the one time it was caught on videotape. I'm willing to let that go. I, I am too. I just was like, well, how do I, okay. I'll stop nip. I won't stop nitpicking. It's pretty much my personality, but uh, consider the nitpick logged. So she asks Michael for the the details in that version. He says that she got really into ethics, which I was already like, what, really? <laughs> Translate right. that to she thinks he's really cute, and so she sticks around, probably. Probably. Uh, they spend a lot of time together. She anticipates his need for a tissue, and he falls in love with her, which I was just <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. They had their first kiss out by the lake, you know, and they're sort of like looking at the ground, looking at each other, looking at something else. Like, <laughs> it's the so most awkward. awkward. It's awkward, but it's also sweet. And it's also like, obviously, like something in Eleanor is like, ne- needs to hear this, right? Yeah. Like, she really wants to hear about this time when she and Chidi were happy together. Yeah. Um, which is so painful. Yeah. And Tahani's like... Okay, obviously you guys have unresolved issues, so I'm going to go, you know, those of us who are green every time, basically she and Jason, will just go on to the Good Places and Advance team. And then she tries to get on in the scale. Uh, she says, you know, book a table or whatever you have to do. <laughs> so she tries to get on the scale and it denies her. And she goes, it thinks I'm Eleanor. It is I, Tahani. <laughs> uh, and then Janet says, um, you know, Janets are always the best version of ourselves. And Eleanor says, I'm, I'm not sure that's true. Because you haven't dealt with yourself with Jason. And she's like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then everybody's sort of... And she stands on the scale and it just turns like all zigzag colors. And as everybody is kind of like freaking out about this, Michael has like... (laughs) It looks like he's having a heart attack. He like clutches his heart and he's like, "Uh, uh, what is this feeling? Yes, where does this feeling I'm having where I've done something bad and then afterwards I feel sad about it? After sad? <laughs> Humans have so many emotions. Ted Danson killing it as per usual. He just won a, a Golden Globe for uh, the show? Is that choice, right? I Critics' Choice, okay. I mean, he deserves so, every award that there is. Every award, yes. Um. So he confesses to them all that this is all nonsense. He, there is no way to get to the good place. He has no idea. He has tried one billion and twelve ways. He lied to them when he said that he knew that he could get them in. He's just, but he kind of he lied to them before he started ethics classes. So he said, you know, and then I took the ethics classes to learn about how lying is wrong, and so that was like a real rock bottom for a demon. <laughs> uh, and the only way to the good place seems to be to have been a good person on Earth. So, you know, he's like, I would have loved for you guys to just stay in the neighborhood forever. But Sean came and ruined it all. And um, soon Sean is going to figure out you're not at Mindy St. Clair's. And he's going to realize you guys had help. You guys are going to be sent to the real bad place. And I'm going to be retired. Which, of course, means he will be horrendously murdered. Obliterated, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he says to Eleanor, you're mad at me. And she says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Michael says, come on, everyone knows that's worse. And let me just tell you, I believe my five-year-old who watched this with me uh, decided to adopt this. Because just the other day I said to him, you're mad. And he said, I'm just disappointed of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, kid. Uh... Thanks. By the way, that was because I uh, bruised his arm when I was pulling him out of a puddle. So uh, what a terrible mother I am. (laughs) 
Just, you know, the puddle. Just let him stay there. Yeah. What does he need to be dry for? So Eleanor, you know, they say we're out of options. And Eleanor says, well, let's do the shell strop thing. Let's ignore our problems and get drunk. Janet, 100 bottles of your finest booze. So they they have this little party. The, pretty much the first thing that happens is Tahani breaks up with Jason. Can I pause for a second to say Absolutely. that um, whoever did the props for this scene... I would like to give them props because everybody is drinking out of like really fancy glasses and Jason is drinking out of a solo cup and it made me laugh so hard. Thank you very much. So, okay. So Tahani breaks up with Jason and she says something that actually was pretty self-aware, which is that it was time for her to stop relying on external factors for her self-worth, which is like a fair assessment of her relationship with Jason. Yeah. And, you know, normally she demands to speak to a manager when she encounters obstacles. But in this relationship, you know, she's the only one who can fix things. And she, you know, decides to end it. And Jason seems very cool with it. He, he barely reacts, really. Uh, yeah, he doesn't register. Yeah. Really. I mean, earlier, yeah. though, he did say, like, I'm not the best best version of me because Tahani keeps wanting to talk about our relationship, but I keep dodging her. And... So that was, I am, that's part of the extended version. That was oh, not in what okay. I watched. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, I started, I was reading some of your notes being like, was I, did I black out? Like, no, okay, you watched a longer version than I did. So then we cut away from the, uh, shallow, silly relationship to the, um, deep-seated relationship that makes us all want to cry, <laughs> which is Eleanor and Sheedy. Oh my god, this was just... This was mm. rough. This was tough it, stuff, everyone. So rough. So Eleanor says, you know, feelings are stupid, but just in case feelings aren't stupid, I should tell you that I do have feelings for you. And Chidi tells her, you know, you know that sound that a fork makes in a garbage disposal? Like, that's what my brain sounds like all the time. You know, he's kind of talking about, I guess he has anxiety and maybe some OCD or something. He doesn't use those words, but that's what I'm assuming. You know, and he says, I would just wish we met the normal way. You know, like you came to my office after a philosophy lecture. Or we met at a philosophy conference. And she's just like, that's not how normal people meet. And then you have this quote in here. That was not in the broadcast version, but was apparently in the extended version. Oh, yeah. So I so uh, I watched the extended version on uh, NBC.com. They have it available the day after it airs. And I didn't realize what was cut out and what wasn't. So I, I have in the notes something. So, yeah. So I, I think what happened was, you know, in the version that was aired... Uh, he says, like, I just wish that you would have come to my office or whatever. She's like, that's not how normal people meet. And he says, I don't know how normal people meet, which the way that he delivered that line, I was like, ugh. Yeah. I know. But that was the end of the scene in the the broadcast version. Right. She says, you're such a nerd. And then it just sort of goes on from there. In apparently, uh, in the extended version, and I didn't mean to like totally spoil this for you, so I'm sorry. But um, (laughs) apparently in the extended version, uh, is when they extend that scene like, you know, 30 seconds more. And he says to her, it's not that I couldn't love you. You're amazing and fearless and clearly, and he wants to say beautiful, but instead of beautiful, he says symmetrical. And she laughs. <laughs> and she, she laughs and she calls him a nerd. And then they go on with the rest of it. So uh, I would just like to say that uh, to my future husband, who may or may not be listening out there, uh, please put this in your wedding vows to me because... <laughs> It's just, it just like, hit me right in the feels. Hit me right, right in the feels. This episode was just like, the hits just kept on coming, it man. It really, we gotta, t- oh man. Yeah. We have so much to get to. So, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be a long one, guys. So then, 
Eleanor says, you know, maybe she sort of convenes the group and says, we might not be the best versions of ourselves, but I like the way we are now. So she proposes a toast and Tahani toasts to Eleanor and Jason proposes a toast to Janet. And Chidi says, you know, and to Michael, um, he made a mistake and admitted he was wrong, which makes him better than 90% of all humans. And Eleanor says, at least you tried. And so they declare him an honorary human and they give him all kinds of crap that humans have like car keys and stress balls. And Michael is just like beside himself with happiness. <laughs> and then they, they, so they play a lot of songs in this, uh, in, in the party that they have. And there's a lot of really beautiful music, but this, <laughs> this one part, <laughs> they play unforgettable by Nat King Cole. <laughs> and it's just cheating. Eleanor slow dancing. And like, Eleanor just kind of folds into Chidi's chest and closes her eyes. And it's just like... And they're holding Ugh. hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're slow dancing. Yeah, that's yeah, how slow dancing works. Like, but no, but like you could have... She could have both of her hands around. You know, he could have both of her hands. Oh, yeah. It could be like 12-year-old slow dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. It's not... I mean, that's what you see because the the permutations like what i love about this dance scene is that you get to see like everyone dancing together and so you can see like how close they've all become and how there's really no bad blood between any of them which i thought was just really sweet and and uh in that same scene you get to see jason and janet slow dance together and they are as someone on tumblr said leaving room for jesus which i thought was hilarious <laughs> um Janet but, also um, does the moonwalk at one point, which, yes. like, I don't know how... How did she do that? Um, I, Are there wheels in her shoes maybe, and magnets or I, something? Well, it wouldn't be magnets because she'd be drunk. Well, she is drunk, and then, so maybe <laughs> No, I mean, like, how did Darcy Carton do that? Were, oh, was, I don't know. Were there magnets and wheels involved? Maybe. Like, I don't know. So like, I don't think could, that was possible. So the two of them slow dancing is, like, very formal, whereas this uh, Chidi and Eleanor slow dancing are, is very intimate, and she, as you said, kind of, like puts her head on his chest and they're holding hands like at his chest and it's just I mean it is like you have to imagine they're all thinking to themselves like very soon we are going to be going to the bad place to be tortured and like not together as a group this will be fun we'll get through it but like they're probably going to be separated so yeah you know as far as they're concerned this is like you know it's like it's almost like the last night before an execution or something you know so they're just sort of going for broke so they're all sitting around having a picnic they're all drunk and michael's like hi you know you don't remember this you don't remember that that's from different iterations and then a text message comes through from sean saying um that he is sending you know basically finish breaking everything down and he's gonna send uh, a train from the bad place the next day um, does he say that he knows that the humans aren't... He doesn't. No, he says the humans will be tortured soon. Soon, right. And so that sort of really casts a pall over things. And then, if you remember what I said to put a pin in about, you know, all talking about what their good place would be. Now they're all talking about what their bad place is going to be. Eleanor says camping, which, girl, I am with you. Me too. Jason says he's going to be at a Skrillex concert and he's going to be waiting for the bass to drop and it will never drop. Which is the most emotional we've ever seen Jason about anything. He just anything. got broken up with like a couple hours ago and he didn't care that much. Yes. Uh, and uh, Chidi says he's really good at making his own personal hell wherever he goes. So they're going to have a lot to work with, which is Ooh. so cheaty. Oh. Why? Oh. That's rough. Ugh. That's rough. 
And then Tahani says she'll be in the Swiss Alps in fall, the the off season. (laughs) And then uh, Eleanor makes fun of her. And this is, I need to like go and get this audio clip at some point of her making fun of Tahani because it just kills me where she's like, this just won't do. I demand to speak to your manager. And Tahani says, oh, that's what we should do. We should speak to their manager. You know, you told us that there is a judge who makes decisions of the good place versus the bad place. And Michael says, I thought about that, but look, there's only one way to get to this judge and that's to walk through the real bad place um, and find the portal and then to go see a judge who like, we're not on his schedule. He's not supposed to be seeing us. And Eleanor's like, let's do it anyway. And Michael's like, all I've ever wanted was to be human. And now we're going to do the most human thing of all attempt something futile with a ton of unearned confidence and fail spectacularly. Yeah, pretty much. So everybody go get some sleep. And so in the morning, we're going to, we're going to go to the bad place. Which is, you know, of course, at the beginning of this episode, we all thought in the morning they're going to go to the good place. And now it's like, no, off we go to the bad place. Yeah. The quote unquote real bad place. The next morning, Chidi and Eleanor are saying goodbye to the little house. And it just killed me. I mean, Chidi first says goodbye to his chalkboard, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. She says uh, goodbye modern architecture that I was too trashy to appreciate. Yeah. But then they both just stand side by side in the doorway and they say goodbye house. Goodbye house. And it's like... I mean, you've been there, I'm sure, where you've lived in a place for a long time and it's a really hard thing to say goodbye to it. Oh, for sure. And, like, you know you're never going to set foot in it again. And, like, you know, I I certainly felt this, you know, my husband and I lived in uh, one particular house from the year before we got married until the year that our uh, older son turned three. And, like, it was hard to leave that house knowing that, you know, it was gone. I mean... You had painted this mural on our son's wall. Yeah, I bet it's still there because the guy who lives there now is super lazy. Um, And we had built like a garden in the backyard. And it was just like, you kind of pour yourself into a place and then you just have to be removed for forever. But, you know, (laughs) at least I can think to myself, I bet Brianna's mural is still there. Or And also you're going on to... Uh, like a house that I chose, yeah. A house, that I, a house that you chose and a life that you want. It's. I would imagine it's very different. If you yes, obviously this place. is the worst possible, like worst case scenario. Yeah, so it that. must. It must be almost like when you when your house gets foreclosed on, you know, and you're yeah. like evicted from this place that you've poured yourself into. Like, oh, it's so it's so terrible. So. Bad Janet brings the train to their neighborhood and Michael puts the paperclip behind her ear and and reduces her down to that little like marble. Yeah, which is what we know that that can happen because that's what Janet asked Michael to do. Right. And um, our our Janet then becomes conductor and Michael tries for some aphorisms. You know, he says, (laughs) oh, the real bad place was the friends we made along the way. And Eleanor is like, nope. (laughs) Finally, he settles on, in a way, the good place was in the bad place all along. And Eleanor's like, that's technically true. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> and then they all look out the window as they pull away. And the whole neighborhood it, it is being deconstructed the way that, like, a, a computer program would deconstruct it. Like, the individual elements are kind of vanishing up into the sky. And it's kind of moving from the outside in. And, you know, the water gets sucked up and all this. And the last thing to go is like a little ladybug that kind of flies across the screen and, and then becomes pixelated and disappears. Guys, and that is me. it. That, that is it. That is that, the, that is, I mean, this is an incredibly bold thing for this show to do. I'm launching right into discussion, by the way. Oh, this yeah, is incredible. Yeah. 
This is an incredibly bold thing for the show to do because this is this this setting that every episode has been in with the with the exception of the flashbacks. The neighborhood has been the setting for every episode, you know, for the last two and a half seasons. I mean, it's it's more than two and a half seasons and they are saying this setting is now basically been burned to the ground. You know, <laughs> it's as though, you know, it's as though you were doing The Office and, you know, halfway through the second season, someone torched the Dunder Mifflin building. And then it's like, what now, folks? What now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and seeing it all disappear, completely disappear, really got me. Really got me. Because it is this, you understand the gravity of what it means for them. It's not like they can come back if something doesn't work out. Right. Like, yeah. And even the idea that they would be able to build it again is very tenuous because of course they can't without Michael and Janet. Yeah. And you know, it has to be their Janet at this point. Um, Not just like a Janet that they find. And it's, and knowing especially that they are now going to have to walk into the bad place basically with no cover and no place to go back to. I guess they could could maybe go to Mindy's house, but that's always so temporary. You know, you're right. It's This is the place that we've come to know. Even if it's been through 800 and some odd iterations, you know, the neighborhood has always basically stayed as a constant. And the restaurant names puns. changed. Right. The restaurant names changed and everything, and the pairings changed, but... This was the setting that we all were used to. And, you know, the same, like, Eleanor and Judy said goodbye to the house. We have to say goodbye to the house, too. And I think that's really bold. uh, But it's also, like, a little, makes me a little sad. It it really, it it raises some questions for me about budget. Doesn't it raise some questions for you about budget? Like, how much money has been spent on, like, the interior of Eleanor's house and the interior of Tahani's house and the exterior. I mean, the exterior shots, I suppose, are... No, I don't think they are location shots. They, I don't know what they are. Maybe they're CGI. Um, but like, And then, like, the Main Street set. And, like, there's a, just, like, there's a Jason's bud hole. There's a <laughs> lot of sets associated with this neighborhood that I yeah, guess now are all completely useless. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get that NBC money, yo. Maybe maybe it'll be on an NBC studio tour or something and <laughs> go to the lot and visit. The Universal Studio tour, yeah. yeah. Over here is where Jason keeps his risque pictures of young Ariana women. Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and I also liked the ladybug as like a nice callback to the first season when uh, the neighborhood is glitching. And there are all these giant ladybugs running around. Oh, thank you. I was wondering what that was a callback to. I initially thought it was when um, Eleanor is kind of daydreaming when Adam Scott is hectoring her. But that turns out to be butterflies instead of ladybugs. So the ladybugs are from the are from the chaos sequence. Got it, got it. It's, yeah, it's from like the very first episode. So they're really, you know. And also it's just for Michael, as she, as, as Eleanor points out to him, like, this is your life's work. Are you okay? She does say that behind? to him, yeah. Um, she says, are you okay with this? And he says, as long as I'm with you guys, you know, which is so, so sweet. Heartbreaking. This my this whole episode, just my heart. I'm my really heart. curious as to, you know, Michael has a security question he has to answer at one point, And it's like a laugh line of like, what was your childhood pet? And it's a 10 headed dog spider. But then it <laughs> sort of, for me, I was like, wait, Michael had a childhood? Like, how does he have a childhood? If he doesn't, who were his parents? How does that work? Like, <laughs> 
if everybody in in the bad place is like only a worker bee, then how are there like baby demons? Well, he calls people who've been torturing for a thousand years millennials. So maybe the childhood, that's true. He does the childhood that we. It's not a childhood like your kids are having or like we had. Maybe childhood means something. I don't know. Sometimes I think my children are demons. Yeah, <laughs> they're very cute demons, though. Yeah. Did you want to uh, get into the real? Uh, I think the real major chord of this episode is the Chidi Eleanor relationship for sure. <laughs> Man, they've. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I have to just say something right now. I'm just laying it all out there. Feelings are stupid, but just in case, here are all of my feelings. Um, If you remember, earlier on in this podcast, I was not on the Chidi and Eleanor ship. I wasn't on it. I was like, they're friends. They're very close, but they're friends. You know, that's where I want them to be. I am on this 100%. I am on board now. I am on board the ship. I am captaining the ship. Just, and it is complete. The SS, because you only had an S stencil. That is, uh, listeners, that is an Angry Beavers joke. Which, that makes it sound like some sort of incredibly raunchy Comedy Central show. No, it was a Nickelodeon cartoon. It was my favorite Nickelodeon cartoon, and maybe something we should revisit during the hiatus. Who knows? We'll get there. Yeah, I'm totally on board, and it is genuinely because of Kristen Bell and her performance as someone who is just so you could just hear it in her voice and see it on her face and I think in the hands of a less capable actress it would feel hammy or maudlin maudlin or um you know overkill and with her I genuinely felt like she is in so like she's never felt this way about anybody before right like that's how i sort of looked at it like she absolutely sure she doesn't know how to control her face around him because she's never had to worry about that before she's always kept everybody at arm's length and now here is this person who not only i mean i think it was even different to me when she discovers this tape and she discovers that they have had a relationship in the past and we at that point were kind of saying well, we don't know if we're ever going to see them together again. We don't know how anybody feels now. And Chidi sort of made it pretty plain that he doesn't have those feelings for her now. And even in that moment, she registers a disappointment on her own face, but is able to brush it off very quickly. But I think given the heightened circumstances that they're in, this episode was just pitch perfect. Someone who is completely in love, uh, feels like they're running out of, moments and feels like she has to put it all on the line and she just knocked it out of the park and totally made me believe that she that Eleanor is completely in love with Chidi and even if she can't have even if they can't be together long term that she has this moment and and this night I mean that's what their slow dance like that's what it felt like to me that she was oh yeah I'm gonna hold on to this forever when I'm being tortured, this is what I'm going to think about. And like, <laughs> I know! That's why it got me so bad. It's like, because she genuinely doesn't believe that they're ever going to have any more time to get to be together. And she put it all on the line. And and so it's a, it's a relationship growth for the two of them, but it's also such amazing character growth for her from the beginning of this season where Chidi is like, you know, 
trying to get her to stay and she's going to leave in the middle of the night with a bag of cocaine. The fact that she's <laughs> come all this way and is willing to put herself on the line for everybody else in the in the crew, that, and, and in particular, Chidi is like a, you know, really got me. Really, really got me. Good job, Kristen Bell. You got so me we on don't... board. <laughs> we don't usually talk about sort of the race and ethnicity of the characters because it's largely irrelevant. I mean, it's like lovely that it is a diverse show. And sometimes yeah. I think we mention that. Yeah. But we don't really harp on it very much. But it should be mentioned here for someone who is listening to this and has literally never seen the show for some reason. That Eleanor is played by Kristen Bell, who is like a blonde white actress. And Chidi is played by William Jackson Harper, who is, I'm going to say, a dark-skinned black man. Yeah. He is supposed to be... So he's actually an American. Like, the actor's American. But the character is Senegalese. And I just wanted to say that when I was watching that slow dance scene... And, you know, you know their hands... Their, their fingers are interlaced. And she's got her hand, head on his chest. I don't usually have this thought about the Chidi-Eleanor relationship. But I was thinking, like... This is a powerful image yeah. because the idea of a very fair white woman with a very dark black man is something that for the longest time in this racist, racist country was like an image of that was used to stir up hate, the KKK, lynch mobs, things of that nature. And it's still, certainly there are still people today who have their own racist problems with interracial relationships. And there was something about seeing, you know, their skin tones, which are almost negative, you know, photo negatives of each other, sort of with their fingers interlaced, that that kind of took me aback for a second of being like, we don't see a lot of this on TV. Or film. I mean, there is a... Famously, you can kind of go through Will Smith's uh, film canon, who's one of the most, obviously, sort of highly paid, popular black male film actors. He's not the best black male film actor, but he's one of the most highly paid and and most popular. It's, It's sort of like a running joke that you can go through his film canon and pick out movies where he obviously... He ends up with Ava Mendes? Yeah, Ava Mendes twice, right? Where he either ends up with a woman who is, yeah, Latina, or he should obviously have a relationship with a white woman in the movie, but, like, obviously nobody wanted to pull the trigger on that. I think, um, right, the movie Hitchcock, where had that been a white actor, he would have ended up having a love scene with Charlize Theron. Or you can look at Denzel Washington's filmography, how he and Julia Roberts obviously would have had a love scene where he a white actor in that John Grisham movie. But they didn't end up... I mean, it's just... Yeah, and oftentimes, if there is... I mean, like, Sidney Poitier and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, right? The, if if it is a black man and a white woman together, that's what the movie's about. Right, right. Uh, the movie is about their relationship and the politicizing of their relationship and their families have to come to terms with their relationship and all these different things. The movie is about that. We very rarely see... A situation where you have a black man and a white woman romantically uh, linked that is and just yeah, like, and it's like not a big deal. It's a non-issue. It's not it's a big a deal. Yeah, I I will tell you, I saw the movie The Secret Life of Bees. I saw that movie in the theater, and for those who spoilers for a book that's like fifteen years old and a movie that's like <laughs> ten years old. 
I actually liked the book a lot. The movie is nothing to write home about, but what the the main character in the book is is a preteen white girl who runs away from an abusive father and ends up in the care of this trio of black sisters. And there's a young black boy in her town who she ends up befriending and then they end up having like a little like a cute young puppy love relationship, right? I mean, they're not old enough for it to be anything serious. They have like one kiss in the book and I think they you know, it's a sweet little relationship. I saw that movie in a theater in a in a suburb of DC with a very sort of racially mixed audience. In the movie when the young white girl and the young black boy share a kiss, there was uh audible disgruntlement from the audience. Yeah. Uh mo- mostly from the black women in the audience. Like it is like still it is a com- it is complicated. It is complicated for these sort of interracial relationships to exist and for this to just be happening in the show and for literally no one to bring up like who cares that they're different races whatever and not for nothing that William Jackson Harper is like a very dark-skinned African-American guy. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like Will Smith or Denzel Washington or most of like the very high-profile black actors. I was really struck by that and it really moved me and yeah, it just made me feel feels. Yeah. And um, Manny Jacinto was interviewed, uh, I think in, I don't know if it was in GQ or another outlet, but um, GQ has been going through and like interviewing everybody involved with the show. It's like yeah. somebody at GQ, like a super good place fan. Uh, let's, can we talk to that person? <laughs> um, but Manny Jacinto was saying that, um, you know, you don't see a lot of Asian or Asian actors or Asian American actors. His point was like his relationship. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. He is Canadian. He's an Asian Canadian Canadian actor. Canadian? (laughs) Canadian. Yes. um, Actors. um, He said, he said, you don't often see the Asian guy get together with a white woman. And that happened in the first season. Oh yeah. He, he was like, he's like for me to get together with Janet, like that was a big deal for me yeah people still talk about the show selfie which was this very short-lived abc show yes where john cho and karen gillen gillen um you know amy pond from doctor who where they were romantically linked it was supposed to be a um pygmalion situation where he was you know the pygmalion character and she was the galatea yeah people still talk about that show even though it it barely existed like (gasps) there was an asian you know, romance with a, you know, I think even just the fe- even just the point of having an Asian male sort of involved in a romantic comedy situation was like a big deal. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the big things about Aziz Ansari's show as well, uh, Master of None, which is fantastic. But it's it's, I mean, that show is also very diverse. But he and his uh, co-writer Alan Yang are both on the show, and they both have relationships, and they have a pretty diverse friend group. But the fact that you see uh, South Asian American man having relationships in the first season primarily with a a young white woman like that's it's really refreshing to see that but it's very um it it still seems noteworthy like we're still at the point where it's noteworthy that it's so nuts yeah because in so many ways we have come a long way as a society i mean current political climate notwithstanding you know, there is a lot where we have made these huge strides. And if you, like, survey people, they'll generally say that they're fine with interracial relationships. And I'll tell you the reality of living 
in a racially diverse state where we have, uh, and I live specifically in a city that is not only racially diverse, but it's also purposefully integrated, which is kind of a rare thing. Like I do see a ton of interracial couples like in real life, you know, it just happens. Yeah. You live in New York city. Like (laughs) obviously you do, but I live in, I live in suburbia. Right. But it still is like, you know, it happens on a daily basis. So like, it's this funny thing where the real world has outrun the media which yeah. I don't think necessarily happens all that often where, yeah, the the, the world has kind of moved on. The, the, like there is still, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like Cheerios had a sweet little advertisement where they oh, had an inter- I love that commercial. I know. Yeah. Like a little mixed race girl and her white dad and black mom, I want to say. Yeah, is that right? So, yeah. yeah. And like people flipped out because people are horrible. Maybe but I think they're cottage Cheerios. Jeez. Yeah, right. Which sure. I mean, my my <laughs> my fifteen month old eats enough Cheerios, you know, basically to stun an ox. I think it's going to be an. I think the brand is going to be okay. Single handedly keeping Cheerios in business. <laughs> so it's this weird thing where, like, mostly it just kind of happens nowadays, and like it's not remarkable. And then on the other hand when it's portrayed in media because like i don't know it, it, it it's it it has weirdly become this almost controversial thing in media where it is this everyday thing in real life at least it is in the parts of the country that i've lived in which admittedly uh, are the liberal coastal elite parts of the country <laughs> right but i think it is i am the one destroying america <laughs> but i i think it is really notable that like literally almost any couple you would have on this show would be interracial in some way. Yeah, the only one that wouldn't be would be to dance it in Kristen Bell, which no thank you, no 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 no, no times a hundred, no forever. <laughs> I mean let's take Ted Danson out of the equation because He thinks all this so, you know, he when he describes his the first kiss between Eleanor and Chidi, he he makes a big stink about how kissing is gross. So I don't think that he is in this game. <laughs> he's not he, I don't even want to say he's asexual. He's like above having a sexuality right. you know it's just like not he's on a different plane of existence so i would take him out of it and when you know when it i think it's a testament to the show and to the casting um and to the conception of michael sure that you have a group of people with such you know inherent diversity and it doesn't feel forced i mean we've talked about this before but it doesn't feel forced and when you look at other shows, like, I mean, Friends is a great example of this, or even as much as I really enjoyed it, How I Met Your Mother. Like, when you look at these shows that are supposed to be set in these very diverse cosmopolitan places like New York City, and everybody's white, and, you know, there's no, there was no reason for that other than that was what was going to be popular in the network. And I think that's part of your point, right? Is that real life has kind of outpaced, like, networks in some ways are in in certain circumstances very risk averse and this show in the cast the diversity of the casting in the relationship pairing choices that they've had and also in you know this goes back to the our conversation about them tearing the sets apart and tearing the world apart is they're taking so many risks just inherently and in the story and everything it's really refreshing and i I hope that means that we're going to have you know because the show is so popular I really hope that that means we're going to have a new wave of of shows that are more that take more risks like that because 
That's what we need. Well, funny you mention it. Tia Sirkar, who played Vicky on The Good Place, yeah. or has has played her, is going to star in this Zach Braff vehicle that pr- uh, premieres this fall, I want to say. Uh, I posted this link to The Good Play uh, Facebook group, so you should definitely join the Facebook group. But um, yeah. they are doing a TV show based on Alex Bloomberg's life, I want to say. The guy who founded uh, Gimlet, the the podcast network. So it's Zach Braff as a podcaster. They were actually making a TV show about a podcast network, which to me just feels like some sort of singularity has happened. (laughs) I was going to say. I I don't even know. But um, so Tia Sirkar is playing his wife. So that to me, if that show, even if it only lasts a season... That is a pretty strong indicator to me. Is it on NBC? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I can... Okay, no. So so it's going to be called Alex Incorporated. And uh, it's going to be on ABC. So if it were on NBC, I would say maybe they'll play nice and let uh, Ms. Sirkar kind of uh, bounce between the shows. But given that it's on a competing network, it seems like there's a good chance we're not going to see Vicky again after this season. That would be a bummer. Well, I mean, look, you you got to feel like for the actress, this is a Step a up. move. Yeah, this is a move for her from bit player to like major part. So you got to really congratulate her for that. Maybe she'll have a guest spot every now and again. Yeah, it's not impossible. But that was, you know, that's like a nice and they have these like, obviously, these mixed race kids. So that's like a nice and and, you know, I watched this sort of long teaser that they did for the show. And like, it's it's unremarked upon as it should be, but it's unremarked upon that. Like, yeah, they're just, these two people are married and they are not both white and they have these mixed race kids. And like, that's how it works. It's just, I mean, I think they, I watched the the teaser too. And I, I wasn't super into the content of it, but I like the fact that it's just like, this is just a family and that's it. You know, there's no, as you said, there there's, it's, it's not about, it's about something other than, the race of the people who are involved in the relationship, which I think is really refreshing. Right. Not that there's, there are shows that focus on race, like blackish and fresh off the boat. And like, those are also necessary and good. Um, but you would ideally like to have shows where, you, you know, if the whole cast is black or the whole cast is Pakistani or the whole class is whatever, like, it's just, you know, it might come up from time to time, but it's largely unremarked upon. I want to say, like, I know, I know, in retrospect, the Cosby show takes on a, a sort of a sinister, it has a sinister cast to it in in retrospect. But in a lot of ways, the Cosby show kind of was that, you know, it was this, like, they're just a family. And or like, family it's, matters. Yeah, or, fa- you know what, family matters is a better example, because it, it doesn't have that sort of taint on it. Um, yeah, Family Matters was just like, they were just kind of like a working class, middle class family, and they had the same trials and tribulations as anybody else, and I except mean, for they had this... doesn't have a neighbor who, <laughs> who invents <laughs> invents a machine that turns them into their own alter ego, Stefan Urkel. Yes. <laughs> and they had, you know what, I'm I'm thinking to myself now, they had like kooky single Aunt Rachel... That's basically me at this point <laughs> with your family. So, you know, you can be, I can be the kooky Aunt Rachel to your kids. 
Putting aside the racial element, which I feel yes. like I probably have spoken about at too long a length. Yeah, the Cheaty Eleanor stuff is heartbreaking, and I wonder how it's ultimately going to be resolved. I mean, obviously it depends on how the question of their location gets resolved. Yeah. Um, which you wrote this this quote that, again, is from the extended version that I did not see. So who says this oh, quote? okay. Of course they'll let us stay. We're refugees. What kind of a messed up place would turn away refugees? Eleanor says that. Eleanor says that. They are by the balloon. For those of you who didn't, uh, I, I, I apologize. I didn't know what was cut out of the extended version and what wasn't. Because um, I didn't really see much of the original broadcast. But um, the they're talking about the good place. And basically, uh, Michael is trying to kind of... He, he's trying to maybe say that, like, maybe it won't work out. Like, don't get your hopes up, basically. He's trying to he's trying to pad the fall for them when they do fall. Exactly, exactly. So he says, oh, I don't even know if this is going to work. And, you know, and she says, of course, Eleanor says, of course they'll let us stay. We're refugees. What kind of a messed up place would turn away refugees? And I was like, oh, yep, that's some shade. And that's probably why they didn't air it. <laughs> um, oh, I don't think that that's why they didn't air it. Oh. I don't know, because um, they're not too openly political on the show. There's some, there are some very subtle digs at points, but, um, but yeah, I mean, this goes. I thought that was notable because that sort of went back to our conversation about how good is the good place really? Because that to me was almost, I mean, other than it being a dig on current political situations in the U.S., that to me was also Eleanor believing in the fundamental goodness of this good place. That's kind of like our conversation that we had last week, Marissa, where you said, you know, if I'm in the good place, then the best thing I can do is save people from the bad place. But we don't really know if that's their ethos there. And so to me, this was almost like, well, she thinks, of course, they're going to let us in because we've braved all this other stuff to get there. And we're refugees. And, you know, how could they turn us away? And I think maybe there's some dramatic irony in that. But it, it, but then again, we had the conversation last week, not knowing that this week's episode would set them up for going through the actual bad place and trying to make their case to the judge. We thought that maybe they would end up at the actual good place, you know, in, a, in an episode or two. Yeah. So we are running a little bit long. So let's get into article roundup. You have way too much in here. Well, uh, I'm not going to read all, it all of it. All of it centers around the fact that every human being on this show thinks that Ted Danson hung the moon. I mean, let's be honest, he did. Can we get to our (laughs) announcement? Or should we do the announcement after? No, start with it, please. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) I I have peaked as a human being. We've gathered you all here today for you to hear this. We've gathered you all today to let you know that uh, Ted Danson, the actual Ted Danson. The... Ted Danson. The Ted Danson liked one of my tweets about The Good Place. (sighs) Woo! Yeah, so this was me. I had watched it at a friend's house, but for some reason my Twitter app was not really functioning. So when I got home, I I was getting ready for bed, and I wrote my tweet, and I included a little gif of uh, Janet and Michael and Janet. It's the one where Janet's fake crying. And I said, this... Uh, might be my favorite episode of The Good Place yet. The ending had me like Janet crying. And, you know, I'm just getting ready for bed. Do, 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 do. And then I see a little notification popped up. Ted Danson liked your tweet. And I was like, that. I was like, 
No. I had a moment where I was like, could it be? And then I was like, no, there has to be some Ted Danson Twitter parody Like account. underscore Ted Danson, Ted, right? Yeah. Ted, like, Danson and the O is a is a zero or, or something. It's, a, or, it's got an umlaut over or it. Or it's like turned dancing or something. I was like, this cannot be. And then I checked it. And it was indeed Ted Danson. And so what did I do? I immediately texted my sister with a screen cap of it. And I said, hey, guess what? <laughs> and uh, she said that my life, you know, is basically all downhill from here, which I tend to agree with. I mean, you can't, you kind of can't get any better than that. You've had a good run. I Almost 30 years on this planet. I think, I think <laughs> if I go out now, I, I, I feel okay. So, uh. Yeah, that's the beginning of the Ted Danson Appreciation Corner, is that I will appreciate him forever because he liked my tweet. So yeah, you have this this article from E! E! Online. Where yeah. Kristen so, Bell calls him her teddy bear yes! and says that he's a comedy god. Yes, he basically, I just, you know, last week we did a Ted Danson Appreciation Corner and then, you know, I read these articles throughout the week and, and compile them and... The common thread, as Marissa mentioned, was that, like, in every single one of these articles from uh, every other member of the cast, they just cannot say enough good things about Ted Danson. So, yeah, Kristen Bell and E! Online called him her teddy bear, and she says he's incredibly excited to be at work all day, and his real-life personality is so joyful, which I thought was really cute. She had a whole bunch of other stuff to say, but obviously... It's all just like really good stuff. So the but the other two I wanted to share because I thought that they were hilarious and I won't read them. I won't read the. Please whole don't. I'm the one who has to edit these episodes. Yeah, Manny Jacinto uh, in the same article where he talks about uh, his relationship with Janet in the first season that I mentioned before. In the same article, he was asked about working with Ted Danson, and he basically recounts a story in which Ted Danson was eating Swedish fish and was able to eat a Swedish fish and then snort a piece of it out like a booger. And everyone on stage just like flipped out and ran away and like couldn't handle it. And (laughs) I do want to read one quote, which is, Oh my goodness, if anything, Ted Danson is Jason Mendoza. He's just the biggest (laughs) child out of all of us, which I thought was hysterical. So that I just thought was like a great little aside. And then Jamila Jamil was interviewed in GQ and by the way, she has never acted before The Good Place. So what a raw talent that is. They asked about what her first day was like for her because she had never acted before. And this is like such a big television show with all these big name actors. And she said, all I remember that Ted is amazing. He kept pretending to fart on me just to make me less nervous. So like, <laughs> that's just his deal is that he's amazing and excited and joyful, but also kind of gross. Okay, I want to go through the episode schedule upcoming because I am running out of cell phone battery and my phone's going to shut off at any moment. Okay. So we are going, the next few, the next month or so is going to be all, you know, the episodes as they air. Then we will transition back to Guilty Knowledge Rewatch with a break a few episodes in so that we can do a Black Panther. Woo! Yeah, a Black Panther. um, I don't know if you want to call it a review. Just whatever we did for The Last Jedi, we will do for Black Panther. That comes out in February, so it'll be sometime in February, maybe early March. It's very hard for me to see movies in the theater with my little kids, but um, I'm going to make a real effort to get out there, if not opening weekend, then shortly thereafter. 
And then I want May to be Amramica the Beautiful Month. So she has written episodes of Children's Hospital, Parks and Rec, Kroll Show, and Ant Farm, the last of which is an animated show. So I thought we would watch the episodes that she wrote for each of those shows. Maybe not every episode, but at least one episode. Okay. You're asking if we can do a Han Solo movie week. I I am very medium on that. It kind of really depends on what the reviews are of that movie. I'm not going to see it if the reviews are bad. Okay. So then June will be Ted Danson equals Terrific Dude month. And we'll do... So I have here Cheers, Becker, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Ink. Those were sort of random picks from his IMDb page, but I'm happy to do like whatever else he's been in. Mm-hmm. July is the Sherniverse. So The Office, which I have watched many, many hours of. I don't care which ones we rewatch. We Parks should watch the episode where Michael Schur is in it. Oh, please, let's do that. I didn't realize that that had happened. He's Moe's. He's uh, Dwight's cousin Moe's. Oh, amazing. Wonderful. <laughs> Done. Sold. <laughs> Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's an episode he wrote of Black Mirror, which I had no idea. What? But it's the one that is like the social currency episode. I've never watched that. I believe it has Bryce Dallas Howard in it. And then there is a show called Totally Awesome, which I have no uh, knowledge of. And then I was thinking to fill out the weeks. So that takes us into August. And to kind of fill out the weeks, it's hard for us to know exactly when the show's coming back. But to fill out the weeks uh, between the Sherniverse month and the beginning of season three, we could do fanfic, uh, Good Place fanfic reads. We could also go back to The Last Jedi. We could do a lot of stuff. I am pretty flexible on that. And we have a long time to decide. Yeah. But, um... I, I get the feeling that probably 98% of the f- Good Place fanfic out there is Eleanor Tahani slash fiction. Which uh, Jamil Jamil is really into, apparently. Apparently she people it send it to her, which I find a, a complete violation. She seems fine with it, but to me it's um, incredibly creepy and wrong to... It's fine to write fanfiction, it's fine to write slash fiction, it's fine to write... Any sort of fictional character stuff. The people who write the real person fan fiction should be ashamed of themselves. But the... I I am fine with you doing whatever you want with any sort of fictional property. But don't then send it to the actors. I mean, to me, that's just like... It's as though you're treating that person like a doll that you can kind of play with in your your dollhouse. It's just creepy. People send... uh, Going back to The Last Jedi. People send Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, Poe, and Finn, like, fan art. Which is, huh. like, that is um, sexual Explicit in nature. in nature? Yes. Yeah. And John Boyega actually is like, yeah, man. Like, keep sending me that stuff. <laughs> so, I guess some people are fine with it, but, like, I would never... I might say to someone, like, do you mind if I send this to you? But I would never just blindly be like, here you go. Here's a fanfic where you and Eleanor... This other person have, like, a very tender moment <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, let's, you know... Let's do it. I'm in. Oh, the I'm, schedule? I'm in, yeah. Yeah, I'm in for all this. No, let's not send our slash fic to uh, Jamil <laughs> Jamil. Let's not I haven't that. written any fanfic in, certainly in months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I think we should do the episodes of The Office that Michael Schur does. That's a great idea. I'm actually super psyched to watch whatever Megan Amram wrote in these. Ver- By the way, did you know she's younger than I am? Uh I, mean, that, I, I read that and it was like a me. it was like a knife in my heart. Yeah. I, uh. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like when Adele comes out with an album and you're like, this is the most, like, amazing thing I've ever heard, and it's called 19, because she was 19 yeah, right. when she wrote it. <laughs> like, um, what is happening right now? Yeah. Like, ah. um, I really like Curl Show, so I'm excited for that. You don't think um, I'm going to like it, though. Um, I think that there are some things you would like, so maybe we can curate different, because it's a No, no, we're picking show. the episodes that Megan Amram wrote. Oh, oh, oh. But maybe I can send you like a couple other sketches to kind of warm you up because there's one in particular that I'm thinking about that you might like. Uh, and our boy Zooks is on it too. Zooks. Zooks. Yeah, this looks good. Does it come back in, does the season three come back in September? I have no idea. I can only assume. Okay. I don't think that they've given a date yet. Probably not. Uh, let me see if there's anything for spoiler space. Ah, okay. So spoiler space, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Next week, as we talked about last time, is Rhonda, Diana, Jake, and Trent, which I feel like has to be the the persona that they put on in order to get into the bad place, right? That they are like, oh, we're, yeah. we're bad place employees. Look at us in our dark suits. My name is Rhonda, right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's got to be what that is. The following week is the burrito. Eleanor, Chidi, Tehani, and Jason consider how much they have or haven't improved. Michael must deal with the consequences of his recent actions. That's probably like them being in front of the judge. Yeah, I assume. Probably. Yeah. And then we do have a, finally, we have a title for the season closer for the first uh, time. It's called, it's called Somewhere Else. So, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. so, uh, that tells us nothing. This how you do me, Michael Schur. <laughs> tells you nothing. No synopsis, I imagine. No synopsis. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> if there were course. a synopsis, it would be like, Eleanor, Tahani, Jason, and Chidi are somewhere else. <laughs> Michael and Janet are somewhere else. Well, I think that's as good a place as any. Yes. So until next time, ignore your problems and drink heavily. We'll see you next time. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Not, not, not.